0: I think theology is for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand
1: an exegetical
0: approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? I know. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the Theology Unplugged podcast, and I'm Michael Patton. I'm Tim Kimberly. uh, Great to have you. I I didn't cue you yet. Okay. Uh, we're not well, going with since, our intro. since you were saying good morning, good
1: afternoon, I figured you, this was like a timeless podcast. Well, it is. So
0: That's the advantage of podcasts is that we can do them anytime and you can listen to them anytime. So well, we don't know so when I, you're listening to them. It him.
1: felt like we were operating outside of time, so I thought I could just jump in. Is this going
0: to be how it before. goes? You can just jump
1: in anytime? No, I just thought... It, do this you want to was... introduce it? Here, go. No, go ahead. All right. Okay, ahead. I'll introduce Michael, who will now introduce the podcast for this All right, this
0: week. theology Unplugged folks, great to see you. Great to have you. I don't see you, but great to have you joining us here. Uh, whether you're on iTunes, listening to this, maybe from the blog, if we put it up on the blog, we keep on forgetting to do that or from just the website at, uh, reclaiming Um, a few things, uh, we, we got Christmas coming up. That's just right. had a, just had a guy order 11 John, Ryling, John Ryland's John papyri P 52, a facsimile of the earliest manuscript of any portion of the New Testament we have, completely overturned the world of scholarship whenever this was discovered mm. and uh, dated the Gospel of John back much, much further. Most importantly, authenticates the Gospel in so many ways for us. But we are the only ones who make facsimiles. And I'm talking real facsimile, one from Egypt. We bring the papyri in from Egypt, and then we have it created exactly the same size, to scale uh, two, uh, alpha and omega. The uh, John Rylands Papyrus. Great we, Christmas we even, present.
1: Yeah, we even rub ourselves in dirt and strip down to sandals and our underwear in order to really. And we have it. the dirt
0: shipped in from the from, Jordan, from
1: Egypt. Yeah. Yes, and we actually pay someone to uh, with with a whip to whip us in the back while we're doing it, just to make us feel. And, like and shipped
0: means they walk here because we don't. We want it authentic.
1: Yeah, it's 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 amazing. And some people aren't familiar with facsimile. They think like maybe that's coming through a fax machine and it's low quality. Yeah,
0: facsimile. What's Another word for it—a uh, replica.
1: A replica. Yeah, I, I like replica better. Yeah. It, to me, it just seems. I mean, it is facsimile.
0: Sounds cooler, though. Unless if you think, everybody say with me, facsimile.
1: Unless if you think fax machine, then don't, don't say that. Yeah,
0: just say facsimile. It's
1: F A C S. Like
0: fax. But take off the X and then smiley. But take off the I and the E. <laughs> Okay, hey, hey, we've got another one. Real quick, don't want to spend too much time on this, but we do have our newest boot camp for pre-order. This is the boot camp number two boot camp. What is that? That is four hours of teaching theology. This it's actually less one, than four hours. It's four 45-minute sessions. With 15 minutes of discussion in between. So That's perfect right. for a small group, perfect for a, your Sunday school class. This one is on how to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. So get this boot camp and use it in your Sunday school class to teach them how to study the Bible.
1: Yeah, and it it gives you just really a very practical method and tools to be able to approach the Bible, because so many people believe the Bible is true, but so few actually study it for themselves. And a lot of times it's because they're not interpreting it correctly. So they'll open a verse, read it, feel like it doesn't apply to them at all, and then close the Bible and and are like, well, I tried to read it, but it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. And we really try and give them a lot of tools and equip people uh, to really... uh, dig into to really be able to get all of the richness of scripture
0: hey guys i give you permission i give your permission to take four weeks off of preparation let us do the work for you guilt-free okay? Guilt free because it's good stuff.
1: It is good. And the, the quality is really stunning.
0: And then we've also got a new book on top 10 finds of biblical archaeology. And this author that I have found, he is the clearest, most concise. And I mean, it, I think he gets it all right. He's incredible. Nice.
1: Yeah. Really stunning.
0: Yeah. His name is Tim Kimberly. Uh, wait a second. That's me. Wait, we've got him in the studio. <laughs> Here is your dollar. Thank you. Well, maybe one day we'll interview you on that. But we've got that at our website. Go to reclaimthemind.org forward slash store. Can you find the book there? Just is go there a to book section.
1: Just go to Reclaiming the Mind and look on the homepage,
0: and you'll see an image
1: in our image rotator of the book.
0: Okay, and um, is it, can we put a category so that it can be found from the store? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll yeah. do that. Or, hey, hey yeah. listen, folks, we're we're not just going to talk about promos this whole time, but it is Christmas, and we want you to get some good, high quality Christmas presents. The theology program will be coming. Uh, uh, to a town near you Yeah, it is It is something that you guys need to get as well If you haven't gotten that full program, get it Best present you could get uh, But we're, that's not what we're going to talk about We're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, This idea of certainty You have no clue what we're going to talk about, do you? I, I have no idea You never do
1: No idea, that's right I'm, I'm just generally clueless in life So so this fits me well One of these
0: days you need to come in with a topic And I'll sit here and you can get it going Okay um, Certainty What do I mean by that? Uh, How how sure are we about the truths of Christianity? I wrote a blog not very long ago that was entitled, and and please understand, blogs need to be entitled provocatively. That's one of the things that you have to do if you're going to be a successful blogger. You have to learn how to title things. Uh, Why I am not completely sure Christianity is true. Okay. And I'm not completely sure that Christianity is true. We'll okay. pray for you. Everybody, I'm not completely sure that Christianity is true. Now, what do I mean by that? Yeah. This is a very important topic. Uh, it's something that I think that uh, you and I need to wrestle with, especially today in an s- age of scientific enlightenment, discovery, and scientific methodology for inquiry and discovery. From a scientific standpoint, many of us look at knowledge and and see it as uh something very cut and dry very black and white it's either true or it's not true that's it um two plus two is four easy enough no problems there you don't have to debate it Mm -hmm. it's not maybe it's four it's i'm pretty sure it's, it's four
1: are you using a floating decimal system
0: no, it's okay. just two plus two. That's okay. it. There's no decimals, nothing. I mean, it's it's no problem. There's no ambiguity there. There's no subjectivity there. It's for whether you know it's for or not. So we want oftentimes our beliefs to mirror such precise and definite conclusions. Um, Whenever I say, I believe in God, do I believe in God like I believe that two plus two equals four? Well, that's a hard one, folks. And you can get yourself stuck in a – backed into a corner because you allow for such a method of inquiry to determine whether or not you believe in God. Now, why do I say this? I say this because there there is a rise. I know there's skepticism all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean it's not as if right now – you know we we were living in a skeptical world in 200 years we didn't have skeptics and people who challenged christianity but we live in a world that is challenging christianity um primarily with the rise of the new atheism that is proliferating the the marketplace mm-hmm. the new atheism is nothing new really it's just atheism but it's evangelistic atheism
1: that's what makes it new is their method
0: exactly Exactly. So you got uh, people such as uh, Christopher Hitchings, uh, Dawkins, um, uh, Daniel Dennett, and, oh, God, what's his name? Um, Sam Harris. mm Uh, All all of those guys would be considered the new atheists.
1: And where atheism used to be thought as a passive thing, really, you're just not a believer in God. But now this new atheism is characterized by their goal is to get people to become atheists.
0: They want you to be an atheist. Because
1: they think the world will be better. If the world is full of atheists as opposed to full of Christians or just full of religious people in general,
0: evangelistic. Yeah. They've got a message and they're proclaiming it and they're preaching it and they're going to seminar after seminar, debate after debate, book after book, and they are spreading this all over. Now, one of the tactics that is used whenever we're talking about people challenging your faith is to poke holes in your faith.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, somebody come up to you and say, uh, Why do you believe what you believe? He you say, well, I believe it because I, I believe the Bible is true. Well, how do you know the Bible is true? Are, are you sure? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it's true. Are you kidding? Uh, well, you know, uh, how, how do you know that it didn't make any errors and, and there's no mistakes? And you say, well, because I just know it. Well, how do you know? I, I just know, I mean, I can look, and, and you may be really good, too. You may say, I look at the Bible, and I see it in its historical context, and I see the manuscript evidence that has come down to us. I see how early the dating is of it. I see that 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 Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think, were early first century eyewitnesses to the events. And I don't think they would make anything up. I see the spread of Christianity through the, through the proliferation of the gospel, through their message that started the fire early on. So the fire dates back very early. This wave of Christianity dates back exactly where we had wanted. I see within the gospels all kinds of elements of historicity. I see, I see this element of embarrassment, which means that they are authentically being historical since they include things that would Potentially embarrass them. I see this element of um, of uh, incidentals, which means they're including things that uh, whenever you're telling the truth you would include, but if you're not telling the truth, you would leave out incidental details. So you could go through a great presentation, right? Archaeology. Archaeology, we've confirmed this. I've got Tim's top ten archaeological or book here, and, you know, look look what we've got. Mm -hmm. And in the end, you give a real solid case, right? Mm -hmm. And then they respond, but wait a minute. Isn't it possible that they could have lied? That they could have made it up? That they could have been delusional? And you stop for a minute. You say, no. And you say, well, how sure are you of that? I'm absolutely sure. Are you really absolutely sure? Well, I mean, were you there? Did you did you see these events? No, I didn't. Uh, do people make stuff up? Well, yeah, they, they do make them up. Uh, is it possible that they could have made this up? No. Well, why not? You know, in the end, mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to poke holes. It's like a courtroom setting mm-hmm. that people are, are trying to poke holes. And in the end, they want to poke holes in your faith. Now, here's the problem, Tim, and this is the reason why I bring this up, okay. is because whenever you hold to a method of knowledge, the method of acquisition of knowledge to where you say, I need to be as sure about this as I am that two plus two, equals four, you're going to fall flat on your face. Because there is not, there are not many things in this world that you are that sure of or you will ever be that sure of. But that is not a requirement of belief is to be that sure of something. For example, I could be in a dream right now. I could still be asleep at home.
1: So I would be your dream?
0: You're in my dream. You're, you do not exist right now.
1: Okay. Well, I guess
0: I'm honored that you're dreaming about me. You, you might exist as long as my dream is not making your character up. But uh, I, I could be. Or you ju- you could be just background to my dream, actually. No, no. That's, that can't be possible because I'm the one doing all the speaking.
1: Maybe that's because I'm sleeping and I'm relaxing. And in my dream, I want you to do all the talking so I can relax.
0: Okay, I don't know about the implications of me doing all the speaking in your dream, but that's, that's your issue, okay?
1: Yeah, well, I'm just getting a good night's rest.
0: Well, you could be in a dream. I could be in a dream, okay? Now, how likely is that? Extremely unlikely.
1: Yeah, I don't think I would ever dream about you. There are far <laughs> greater things I could be dreaming about.
0: Ridiculously unlikely. Now, if I was to poke holes in the theory that this is reality to the point where you say, well, maybe it is possible that we're in a dream. Mm-hmm. Does the possibility of something make it a probability? That's the question. Does the possibility of something make it a probability? Does the alternative possibility to the reality that we're experiencing right now, recording theology unplugged, that we are in a dream, make it rational, justified in any sense for us to believe that or to suspend our belief and say, wait a minute, since it's possible, you know, no matter how unlikely, You know, no matter what the chance, how how crazy it is, since there's a little tiny bit of a possibility here that I'm in a dream, is it it justified then for you to suspend your belief in reality? No, absolutely not. There's no justification. It's the most irrational thing you could possibly do. Just because there are possibilities out there do not make them probabilities. Uh, Is there a possibility? I'm getting on a plane in just a little bit. Uh, to go to Pittsburgh. If y'all are in Pittsburgh, come see me. I don't remember the church's name that I'll be (laughs) at. (laughs) I I think I've posted it here pretty uh, uh, recently, maybe on the Twitter account or something. Um, Sam Kovach. It's his church. Mm. So Facebook him. Um, But uh, I am going to be on a plane in a little bit. Is it possible that that plane will crash? Now, that's more of a possibility than we're in a dream, I would think. Mm. Uh, And so you say, well, it's more of a possibility. So you're not absolutely certain that your plane's not going to crash. I say, no, I'm not. I'm not absolutely certain. I don't have infallible, uh, hundred percent certainty that my plane is going to make it to Pittsburgh. Say, well, why do you get on it? Because I'm justified in my rationale for believing that it will make it, even though I am not infallibly certain. In fact, whenever we work off of this uncertainty principle is it is it possible that that the plane will crash is it possible that i will walk outside and somehow get some type of infectious disease because you know i'm walking outside that something creeps into my foot an amoeba or something and, and kills me is that possible yes is it possible that that if i uh, drink this cup of coffee that i made here at the credo house that it will have some type of germs in it that will kill me yes it's possible for all kinds of things but whenever you say is it possible you're not saying is it probable we never act upon possibilities we act upon probabilities you see Mm -hmm. i am here i'm not in a dream Are you certain of that, Michael? Yes, I'm certain. Are you absolutely certain of that, Michael? Yes, I'm absolutely certain, so long as you're not pushing me into the scientific type of certainty. You see, people will try to push us into a scientific type of certainty in our beliefs about everything, causing us to doubt, bringing up every possible objection and saying, if there's any room to doubt, then you need to suspend your belief. And that's not what our belief's based upon. Our belief is based upon the revelation that God has given to us, and that revelation is sufficient for us to be justified. And I would say, even more importantly, absolutely commissioned to believe this based upon rational thinking.
1: Okay, so let me ask you a couple questions. Okay, uh, Truth. So you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Yep. The Spirit testifies with your spirit that these things are true. What do you do with Aletheia? What do you do with with truth in this context? Now, I I recognize that you can say, okay, I believe that the Bible is true as much as I believe 2 plus 2 equals 4. I believe that, but am I 100% certain? So are you going to say that these two things can coexist? Is this full embrace of the truth that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But also having this uh, this just openness over here, openness is probably not a good term, but having a space over here where scientifically you say, I am not 100% certain,
0: though. Well, the problem is, is we're living in a post-scientific age. We're living in an age where Rene Descartes in the 17th century was commissioned by the church to prove that God exists to the degree that we prove 2 plus 2 equals 4. He was commissioned by the church to do that. The problem is those are two different types of proofs. You can't do that. And so whenever you try to equate, whenever you ask me that question, do I know that God exists? Yes. Am I certain that God exists? Yes. Is God true? Is God true? Yes. Yes. All of these things, even though people can bring up alternative explanations for just about everything, no matter how crazy they may be. Mm -hmm. You know, as Rene Descartes put it, I could be not really in existence at all. Demons could make me think I'm in existence. Now, the Mm -hmm. problem that he had with that is, wait a minute. If demons are making me think I'm in existence, then I am thinking something, therefore I've got to be in existence. Mm. But this is the old congito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. But with the Christian faith, whenever we start to try to put Rene Descartes and his commission from the church to be absolutely certain in a mathematical way to our faith, we're going to fall flat on our faces. God has not called on us to make decisions based upon having checked everything out and making sure there's no excuses otherwise whatsoever.
1: Well, you can make an argument that faith would not exist, that faith is is the hope of things that, that have not happened yet, the things well, that have not sense. been realized. I mean, so to say, put your faith in Christ, would you say that that, that necessitates you know, when, uh, it doesn't necessitate uncertainty. Well, well let's say Jesus with uh, Thomas. Thomas is saying, I must be certain. So I must put my finger. But then Jesus says... You know, blessed are you, Thomas, but but or you said, you know, Thomas, you were able to say it, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe.
0: Yeah, and they are blessed. I mean, we are blessed. We have not seen yet, we still believe. So, would we are you blessed. say that
1: there is so there is a special blessing for a certain amount of uncertainty?
0: Well, I want to say a special blessing in the sense that uh, so you know, you're disagreeing with the words of Christ. No, what I'm saying is that the well, blessing if he that says blessed,
1: about, and you said, well, I'm not sure it's blessed. It calm seems down, like calm you're, down.
0: Okay what I'm saying is that we are blessed in the sense that we have faith. You okay. know, there's not a special, like, you know, I got got a special surprise or something like that, a better jewel in my crown or something like that. It's just that we are blessed because we have faith, even though we have not seen. Okay. But faith is not something that we say is a blind leap into the dark. Faith is not to where we, you know, say, well, you, you have your evidence. I have my faith. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, God commissions us to use our minds. God commissions us to think rationally. Mm-hmm. God talked to the Israelites and said, why are you carrying around idols? Why, why are you worshiping them rather than worshiping them? Don't you understand that you created them out of a tree? Don't you understand that you used half the wood that you created, that you cut this tree down, you used half the wood for a fire to warm yourself, and half the wood to carve out an idol and say, save me, you are my God? He says, that's irrational. Well, the Israelites could come back and say, well, could be. Could be that this, this you, you, we don't know for sure whether or not this block of wood has some type of entity within it. We just can't know for sure. God would say, well, wait a minute. Don't you see the evidence? He's not moving. You have to carry him everywhere. Whenever you trip over a rock, he falls down because you're carrying him on your shoulders on a platform. You made him. You made him. So all the evidence is pointing that this isn't really an idol. Yeah, but you you just never know for sure. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he doesn't move and doesn't talk. But you don't know. Maybe there's an idol in that. Well, and you give subjective evidence. You know,
1: my uncle's friend prayed to this idol, and they were able to conceive a baby, and they weren't before.
0: Well, see, that would be the new atheists and this kind of – methodology of acquiring truth going back into the Old Testament Mm. and arguing with God. Mm. God doesn't call upon you to use the scientific method to find him. God doesn't call upon you and say, hey, as long as you're 100% certain and there are absolutely no objections that can be made, he says, do what is rational. Do what is smart. Do what is the most likely of all the options. Believe according to that. And so whenever people can poke holes in your theories of existence, of planes, of amoebas, of Jesus Christ resurrecting from the grave, you go with what is the most likely. And sometimes it's absolutely the most likely. It's most likely that I'm in existence right here rather than in a dream. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I go with that. I'm responsible for that. As a matter of fact, if I act against that, you'd put me in a straitjacket because I'd act against it on everything. I'd never make any decisions, never be decisive about anything, because there's always alternatives, and there's always ways in which I can be wrong. Whether getting on planes, getting in cars, getting married, uh, stepping outside, waking up in the morning, there's always bad things that could happen. Mm -hmm. But we don't make decisions according to what are possibilities, but according to what are probabilities. Whenever it comes to the resurrection of Christ and the truthfulness of Christianity, We got probability on top of probability on top of probability on top of probability, historical evidence on top of historical evidence. Everything looks the way it should. Mm. Yeah, but there may be some objection that we haven't come to yet that could explain everything. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. You go with the insane objection that may be out there, the insane objection that you say, well, maybe Christ's body was thrown in a shallow grave and eaten by dogs. Okay, we have no evidence for that whatsoever, but you go with that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay? Uh, but isn't that a possibility? Yeah, but it's not a probability. And so whenever we put ourselves in corners to where we think we are supposed to answer things with the definite, modern, scientific mindset, we are giving into a different worldview in order to prove Christianity to be true, mm-hmm. I can prove Christianity to be true, but only according to the way in which the world really works. Nobody works in this way of scientific inquiry that requires us to be infallibly certain. I'm not infallibly certain. You're not infallibly certain. Mm -hmm. Nobody out there listening to this, no matter what you think, you're not infallibly certain. But you are sure. You are certain. Use it in biblical terms and we're fine. Qualify it and we're fine. I can use the word certain. I can use the word absolutely sure. That's fine. But I'm not using it in a scientific way. Back me into a corner and there's not one thing in this world outside of 2 plus 2 equals 4. Analytical truths. Truths that are true by definition. A triangle has three sides. Are you sure about that? Yeah, positive. It has to have three sides by definition. You see, there's certain things that I'm sure about absolutely, in that way, unless but if you change the definition, right? Yeah, you, if you change the definition, but you know, it, it doesn't make it an analytical truth anymore. All analytical truths are true. Mm-hmm. That's an analytical truth. <laughs> All truths are true by definition; they're true. So uh, you're using circular reasoning. No, I'm just using circular evidence okay. in order to substantiate something. So let's say A equals A. Yeah, yeah, that's right. A equals Are you sure A equals A? Yeah. By definition, A must equal A.
1: So it doesn't depend what the definition of is is? No, it doesn't. Okay. Now, let's say you're getting ready to get on this airplane, and everybody knows the airplane is the ultimate time to share with people about God. Yep. We were talking about that earlier. Um, you're getting on the airplane, and you're sitting next to someone who is a college student who has just heard Christopher Hitchens' talk at at their college, and and you just and you know, are interacting with them, and it's clear um, that you're a Christian, and that they're thinking about new atheism, and they just say, "Well, I, I just th- I just don't think that I can embrace this. I, I don't think it's true." What's your your quick response?
0: Well, in the end, here's the deal: is you, you, there's no quick response for that. I mean, the quick response are do you know what the issues are? Are you well-informed about the evidence? Yeah, I am. I, I'm, I've been well-informed. I've been studying it for years. I grew
1: up in a Christian home. Grew up in a Christian home, a been studying Hitchens and Habermas. Mm-hmm. Habermas Hitchens. being a
0: Hitchin. Hitchings. Hitchens. 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 Uh, Hitchens. Hitchens and Habermas. Okay. Habermas being the Christian side of it. Yeah. So you know the issues, yes. But I just can't be sure. Listen, friend, there, there's some point where you just make the decision to believe based upon the rationale given. I make a decision right now to believe that I'm in existence. Perfectly reasonable, most reasonable, most rational, any other choice would be completely irrational and insane. So why aren't you describing that as some sort of a blind faith? It's not a blind faith. Blind faith is to believe against the evidence. Okay, could you just call it faith then? Faith, biblical faith, is to believe according to the evidence. So could you say, I'm exercising my faith? Yeah, we exercise our faith in everything. There's not a thing you do in this world that you don't exercise faith in. The, the question is, what is the most valid faith? Is it atheism? Is it that Christ didn't rise from the grave? Is it that uh, God doesn't exist and the world has existed forever or came out of nothing, came out of a black hole?
1: Is it that you're going to stay inside this building? Because I want to take
0: the smallest leap of faith, blind faith, I can possibly take, okay. because that's biblical faith. Okay. The Israelites in the Old Testament were taking the largest leap of faith that you could possibly take. Well, maybe this idol does have something in it. I mean, who knows? You can't be completely sure. You know mm. that, That's the biggest leap of faith they could take. Is when they embraced And files. God was condemning leaps of faith, blind leaps of faith in that sense. Mm. Mm. Biblical faith, commendable because you're believing according to God's revelation. Mm. It's the most rational choice to make. God calls on us to rationality. God calls on us to make the most logical choice. God will never call upon you to make a choice that is the least likely of all the options in the sense of who he is, what he has done, he, he doesn't hide in a corner. That's hidden faith. That's mm. the that's, that's faith of every other religion out there. Mm. They call upon you just to close your eyes, hold your ears, and walk. We say, God says, open your eyes. Open your ears. Open and your mind. Open your mind. Walk. Atheism says, close your eyes. Think that there's multiple options out there that can destroy your faith, and now stand petrified. Friends, nobody has to be petrified. We're not living in a biblical. The Bible doesn't live in this Rene Descartes Cartesian methodology. That that's just a silly one to take. We we can be absolutely certain. It's so important for you who are out there. I know there's so many of you out there that that wrestle with your faith. There is a point in time where the evidence and everything you have studied and your convictions are sufficient, and you just believe. You just say, okay, I trust the Bible. I trust it. Yes, there could be things that are out there that I haven't considered. There's always going to be things you haven't considered about everything. But where does the evidence push? Where does the evidence tell you and call you to come to? And you just make that decision. I've made that decision with regards to the Bible. You know, In the end, it's true. I believe it's true. I'm not still waiting on the last piece to fit in this puzzle because there's an infinite number of pieces that I could look for. At some point, it's sufficient to believe that I exist and I'm not in a dream. And at some point, it's sufficient to believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Mm. All right, folks. Theology Unplugged, Uh, got a little bit unplugged here. Mm -hmm. Tim got a little bit crazy. Got a little riled up.
1: Wake up, Michael. Michael, Michael, wake up. Where am
0: I? Have I been here this whole time? Yeah. Until next week, folks. You've been listening to Theology Unplugged. Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store. All episodes are available as free downloads. Theology Unplugged is made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you've enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit the RMM homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.